Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I don't know if you can pick up the sound of the birds chirping away in the trees, but it is a lovely bit of ambiance up here in northern Michigan. We're finally starting to get some warmer mornings so it's not icy cold and you don't want to stay in bed underneath the nice warm covers Uh, but the morels are popping the leaves are almost in full mode and it is uh, quite a lovely lovely bit of nostalgia for old j rome up here uh, i must say but today what we're going to talk about is uh, we're going to go back a week or two to when I was on that West Sail down there in the great state of Florida and training away. And we're going to talk about sort of what I thought was important with the lesson plan, how things played out. And then we have about 25 minutes or so at the end of the podcast where I sit down with Mark, who was part of the lovely team couple that took on the challenge of buying this West Sail 32. And, uh, and basically we spent just about four or five days grinding away and making sure that they could start off on the right foot and get get out there and gain some experience. So that's what we're going to get into today. But before I start the show, like I always say, if you want to support and help Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, keep on trucking, you can maybe consider becoming a patron, uh, helping out the show to essentially... um, Keep the steam, keep the lights on. That's the best way to put it, keeping the lights on. So big thanks to all those who have already uh, become supporters and have been supporters for quite some time. I wouldn't be doing it without your help. New merch line, thanks to Mike over at Sale Junkie. That one's still available out there along with all the other ones. Just follow the link in the description for that. And if you want to reach out to the show, sailingintooblivion.com. Those emails go directly to me. Hit the podcast link and contact the show. I did receive, before I get into what we do, uh, I did receive a fantastic email uh, about a voyage that's taking place right now, believe it or not. And essentially, I had gotten a few emails back and forth from a guy named Josh, and he had a lot of questions and things like that. And I'm always happy to lend my uh, experience uh, and advice, I suppose, uh, to anybody and everybody that asked for it. And now Josh is essentially right out in the middle of the Pacific in between California and uh, Hawaii. And I will share the link to his uh, predict wind sort of map share page where it shows his tracking and it gives you those daily updates and stuff. But essentially, um, with this email, I it was like humbling to to hear from these people and how they how how some of the not only podcasts but the YouTube channel and the videos and all that sort of stuff uh, were a big help 
and in giving a bit of confidence and giving a little kick in the butt to get out there, untie the lines and go find that adventure that you've been dreaming of. And I can't, I mean, I'm getting a little chills uh, as I'm scrolling over this this email right now, but it's fantastic. And, you know, obviously an offshore passage of that magnitude, you're going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs, but it's those ups that uh, make it all worth it. And it's the downs that make the ups that much better. Like I always say, you really have to, uh, you have to go through and, and grin and bear some pretty awful conditions um, to get to that point where you have wonderful conditions made all that much better by going through some adversity. So don't ever let the uh, the challenge and the hardships get you down because I'll tell you what, it's going to make it that much better when you get through it because not only are you then in a better place, but you can look back at what you did and feel a bit of uh, pride, I suppose, and um, a bit of confidence knowing you made it through the bad parts to find the good. So it's enough pontificating from me at this point, but I just wanted to say, Josh, good luck. Get out to Hawaii safe. A lot of downwinding. I looked at his forecast, and, uh, yeah, it looks like the winds are going to get a little bit light and definitely be coming from the stern. And sometimes on these older boats, it can be a bit rolly. It can be um, not so comfortable and... I have definitely found that uh, one of the nice things to do is instead of heading directly for your destination, if it's due downwind, well, hey, crack off a little bit, broad reach, do a few zigzags, do a few jibes, and you're going to have a much more comfortable sail. So hopefully we'll get some information, some more information on Josh and and actually do a show about him. I'll, I'll try and look back at all the postings and everything from from his earlier on uh started the adventure and stuff and uh, maybe we can do a little update but we will see so other than that good luck josh and uh fair winds and following seas fine sir <clears throat> excuse me oh the old early morning i got my coffee here like I said, I've got a beautiful open picture window sitting right next to me. Nice, lovely, old, I don't know if it's a sugar maple or a maple tree. Either one. It's absolutely stunning. And the morels, they're popping off all over the place. I picked like 15 of those things yesterday just on the lawn out here. It's fantastic. Those things are like little tiny treasures. And I know they're worth a lot of money, but I just keep giving them away to people so they can put them on their steak, put them in salads, put them on pizza, whatever they want. Those things just soak up the flavor of just about anything. So pretty amazing stuff. But on to our little venture down to Florida for our week-long sort of training course, uh, impromptu. And uh, I don't know, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to, to be hired on as essentially an instructor, but acting under the guise of a consultant, uh, an experienced person, Without any any uh, current certification, I used to have all sorts of keelboat certifications, all sorts of. I have first aid and CPR and everything, which I think is good. But um, I I'm trying to not coin myself as an instructor or sell myself as an instructor because you do have to then sort of be qualified and have up-to-date things and all that. So I think my little way around, my little walk around, my little my little jig past the facts of life is essentially to say, no, I'm a consultant. I have a lot of experience and 
if you want me to come down there and uh, and show you what I think, hey, no problem. <laughs> but I'm not the captain. We're not using my boat. And there we go. Those are the rules, at least for now. But essentially, I went into this week with the goals of number one, docking, number two, sailing, going over sail plan, reefing, uh, hove to, those sort of situations. We were going to do some man overboard stuff just to make sure we could essentially pick someone up. Uh, seamanship and good habits, that, that has to do with lots of little things, little details that sometimes get lost in the weeds. Anchoring, mooring buoys, passage plan, and a little bit with the engine, a little bit with the rigging, take them through. Not only was it going to be just out on the water every day, but it was also a little bit of time with the boat for things like maintenance, upkeep, and making sure that the boat is set up properly. And essentially, when I first got there, that was that was what we wanted to do first was sit down all three of us together and make sure that all the goals that we had were in line and anything extra that they wanted to know, then we were going to tell them uh, and throw it on the list. And then we would just go through and nail down as many of these things in that time as possible. And it's always good to go in with sort of a map or a guide or an outline and that way you're crossing things off. You have it written down. You don't, you know, you don't end up driving out of the parking lot and think, oh man, I should have should have told them about that. I totally forgot. <laughs> it's much better to make sure you've got your whole list sort of uh chopped off. A few other oddball ones uh with this boat, I shouldn't say oddball, but uh unique. That's a much nicer word. I uh, was dealing with the hydrovane. I had never dealt with one of those before, so it was going to be very interesting uh, for me. And then uh, a little bit of safety gear, setting up preventers, uh, a little bit of play with the electronics, and um, like I said, just the, the very basic engine checks and things like that. So those were sort of the, the big topics. And day one, well, before we get into day one, I think one of... One of the crucial parts, especially with these old double-enders that have such a reputation as beasts in the marina, that has a tendency to put a, a shiver of fear into any boat owner. Um, I know that, obviously, most accidents happen right then and there at the marina, at least the most costly ones, and that can be a bit of a deterrent for getting out there and practicing and actually doing what you want to do with the sailboat, and that is having some fun out sailing. And all it really takes is practice, 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 practice. It also really does help to have someone with a bit of experience or at least a couple extra hands available for fenders, for lines, things like that. Um, and every single time you dock that boat, you're going to get better every single time you get a little more experience. And so that was going to be sort of a key role throughout the entire week that not a day went by, obviously, because we had to leave and come back to the slip, but not a day went by that we didn't go find another spot to go and pull up to multiple times and just practice, practice, practice. So that one for me really is one of the keys because if your anxiety is going up as you are entering the dock in the marina, it's going to sort of be on your mind the whole time you're out there sailing. You might be enjoying it, but in the back of your head, you're thinking, oh man, 
what's it going to be like to dock this thing? And that, I felt, was more than anything my duty to try and crush that, get it out of there, and uh, basically replace it with a certain level of confidence for getting back into that marina. So you don't have to worry about that. You can focus on what you're focusing on out on the ocean, and uh, you can deal with docking when you get back. And so, again, we just did that. Basically, every day we did a little bit more, a little bit more. We got a little more into tight quarters. Essentially, what I like to focus on is maneuvering the boat, so not anywhere near a dock, but making the boat spin around in a circle without having you know, pivoting around in a circle. So reversing, forwarding, reversing, forwarding. Being able to kind of hold the position of the boat is absolutely key. That gives you a huge amount of confidence. So for whatever reason, you pull down the fairway in between the piers and other boats coming out, you're not going to freak out because you don't have a place to go. You can just hold position until they're passed. Those, that skill will inevitably give you a a huge boost in your confidence of, okay, I'm not out of control on this boat. I'm in control. Um, And then it's, yeah, it's mostly docking up onto face docks, trying to pull into slips, reversing, um, you know, getting off of the dock as well, using the lines, you know, getting the bow out by reversing down on a stern line or a spring line, things like that always, always seem to help. Um. Let's see. So we always did that, but essentially we'd leave, we'd go do a few of the docking things, and then we'd go out and and set sail. And one of the cool things there was that we were all sort of discovering the inlet and the area, the local area, where they would then be practicing for however, however long before the hurricane season and then after. And so we're all just trying to become very familiar with the channel, the little bit of intracoastal, and then all the voyage and everything getting out into the ocean. And it was cool because they've got a pretty good, at that area, there's a pretty good uh, ebb and flood sort of current tide. And so we got to see what happens when it's wavy out there and you're headed in and you don't time it right and the water is coming out and the wind is coming in and the waves get very ugly very quickly. And so we were always watching not only the weather for every day. We wanted to do a debrief before we left so we knew what we were going to get into. But we were also looking very sharply at the times. And we pretty much, um, we had light winds for a lot of this this week. So we were able to get away with sort of coming in on the ebb. So the water's coming out and we're trying to get back in. And a lot of that just had to do with the timing of the day, but it was something where it's all ingrained in your head so you know that you don't go out there without really knowing, okay, when's going to be the best time to get back in. And I think on the final day, we did finally nail it so that we were returning uh, with the flood tide, so the water's coming in, we're coming in, and... It was the difference between making two, three knots over the ground and making seven, almost eight knots over the ground. And when you're moving that fast, it does feel pretty good. So you try and time it out. So that was that was pretty fun uh, being able to experience the doing it right, doing it wrong, and the differences that lie therein. Um, and yeah, essentially with the first the first sale on day one, we just wanted to go out 
set the sails, go through it nice and slow, and just get the boat out there. Take a look at everything in motion while it's working. And in my head, as sort of the, uh, the guide, so to speak, essentially I'm looking at everything and I'm saying, okay, well, we need to take a look at that. We need to mess with the rigging here. Um, you know, I'm looking for little things that are going to add into, uh, that I'm going to add into for the following few days. And on day two, that's exactly what we did. We went through, we trued the mast, we tuned the rig. So that, that means going around essentially to all the stays, all the wires, making sure everything's nice and tight, getting everything just right so the mast is perfectly straight, and then taping everything off so that it is ready to basically do a passage, let's say, out to Bermuda or something like that. So we spent a few hours doing that, and when you're sort of peeling through a boat like that, you're always asking questions, finding new things. If there was anything that they didn't really quite know exactly what it was and what its function was, then we'd go over it nice and slow and and lots of questions, constantly asking, what's this one, what's this one, what does that do, what does that do, how does this work, you know, putting some of the sails up and down even when we were on the dock going through the reefing systems, all that sort of stuff. And after, you know, a morning of that, then boom, uh, we had out sailing and we actually messed around with the reefing system. We ran the reefing lines just to sort of make sure everything was working and flowing. And then it was pretty much right back to the marina for docking, boat handling, more and more. Again, doing the pivot turns switching up between people so everybody's getting a chance to do everything, tying up, wear your fenders, all that sort of stuff. And then by day three, the old uh, the old Wednesday hump day, again, we start out with more docking, and then we gave a shot at some anchoring, which was kind of interesting. Um, you know, every boat has different anchors. They have a pretty beefy CQR anchor, which is the one that has kind of a heart-shaped scoop on the end but it has it also pivots as well and they've in the past uh when i've used those they've been really really good uh we had a little bit of trouble hooking in uh for the first time but they have a huge amount of chain i believe it was like 300 feet of pretty heavy duty chain so they're able to uh anchor in places that mighty sparrow could only dream of and we sort of messed around with that, and we sort of found what worked and what didn't. Um, I think for the, us specifically, we, we sort of had to, when we were backing down on the anchor, when we thought it was sort of hooked in, we were giving it a little more juice than we should have because it is a heavy boat, and they've got a pretty perfect prop, which gives that boat under, under power uh, quite a bit of power. So we sort of had to figure that out. And again, every boat's going to be different, so... What works for one boat may not be the same for the other. And you always have to keep that in mind. And we sort of just were patient with it, sort of figured out what worked, what didn't. And then we went from there. Uh, and when we went out sailing that day, it was more focused on sail trim. Uh, still, we were doing the reefing, using all three sails. West sails are a cutter rig. So you've got the jib, the staysail, and the mainsail. And, you know, at this point, it's sort of one of those things where I have to really <sighs> throttle back when it comes to downloading information into other human beings because there is like a cap, you know. Think of a person's brain as a, a glass and you're pouring more and more terms, more and more information in and there will 
reach a limit in a set amount of time where just no more fits in and you're much better off and it's much more efficient to then just kind of halt there and then keep focusing and keep grinding away at the subjects and things that we've already gone over. Let's just cement those into place and and then go from there uh, because there there's a tendency for instructors, and I've done it myself a million times and I've seen it done a million times, where you get through one thing and they sort of understand it and then you move on to the next and the next and the next. And again, the overall goal of this whole week was to get them to a point where they felt confident to leave the dock, get out there on the ocean, put the sails up and learn and experience and screw up and learn and experience over and over again the way it should be done and do it by themselves without me on board. And so going through and, and trying to get you know them race ready or uh, doing crazy amounts of sail shaping and depowering and all that sort of stuff, they can figure that out on their own. I want to make sure that they can put those sails up, do it well, and, um, and sort of be safe while they do it without breaking anything. So day four, we sort of went back and uh, and got into some of the, uh, essentially the, I don't want to call them storm tactics, but I guess they are. Just, just more, a little more, <sighs> I'm losing my words. It's early in the morning. Give me that coffee. There we go. Mm. Ah, Duncan original. Gotta love that. So day four, we go in, and essentially this is the last day where I'm going to give them any new information. And again, we reiterate on the reefing. We get into how to hove two on the boat. And essentially, you know, with that maneuver, it's kind of a personal thing as far as what you want to do when you're hove two. Some people want to be completely dead stopped making that slick. I prefer to still be jogging forward just a bit, keeping the bow of the boat about 60 degrees off the waves. You know, but the functionality of how to actually become or get into the hove two position, you know, you're backwinding the staysail, you've got the mainsail maybe reefed down depending on the wind, and you're trying to balance the boat with that tiller pushed to leeward. Now, if that makes sense to anybody after hearing me just say that, Applause to you. <laughs> uh, but essentially, yeah, we're messing around with that. And then we do a little bit of man overboard recovery, which is always a really good staple out there because not only does it sort of teach you the skills of how to recover somebody that's fallen over, but it also makes you pay attention to the sails, to the wind, to your position. There's a whole lot that goes into it. And the entire time you're doing it, you're practicing, practicing, practicing. So many other skills than just getting that person out of the water. And in the end, we were able to pull our little bobbing bob out of the water uh, safely and successfully. It took a few tries, but, you know, it's one of those things. It's a new boat. A West Sail doesn't move too, too fast. So it is one of those things where you want to make sure you're nailing down those tacks when you do that maneuver. But... Essentially, we got them to a point where they were pretty confident with it. And I'm sure they'll be trying that out uh, some more on their own as well. And then day five, essentially day five was was kind of, you know, the wrap up, trying to get as many questions in and any any more information we could possibly do 
uh, to before I took off. Uh, and then, you know, in the guise of getting that confidence for docking and everything, we, we hit that up. We, we were basically just out there maneuvering around as much as possible, pulling into different spots. And this was finally the day where, you know, we pulled in to a face dock and I hop off, tie up the lines and essentially push them off and they do it themselves. So I'm no longer on the boat. It's really graduation day sort of thing. And they did absolutely fantastic. Both of them were able to pull the boat in, dock it, tie it up by themselves. I'm just standing there. And they did a fantastic job. I'd even give them the stamp of Captain Ron. Boom. Pulled it in with grace. And right up against that dock, it was just about perfect. And then we uh, essentially brought it back in to the slip. We had a bit more wind. And we did. It was kind of interesting, too, that that morning when we left, we had a bit more wind that day. It was a little different, so the bow of the boat's getting blown around. And we had been essentially in, in very, it's a very protected marina. So every time we were coming out in the mornings, it was pretty much the same, pretty much the same, which is good in some ways because it sort of can build up a little bit of confidence that way. You get better at doing it exactly the same way. But it's not great for real-world application. And finally, on that last day, the winds were different, so we weren't able to do our normal quick little pivot turn, and we had to think fast, we had to adapt, and we had to go with the flow. And Mark did a fantastic job. We ended up spinning around in the opposite direction because the winds were blowing us, and those are sort of the, I don't know, I think those are the key elements to really and truly getting that confidence when things go wrong you're able to adapt and come out of it unscathed really really helps so I was pretty glad that that happened and we were able to sort of talk our way through it and obviously not hit any boats that's that's really the big key um some of the other stuff you know obviously when we say seamanship and good habits in the mornings, you know, before we fire up the engine, we're checking the engine oil. Uh, we're making sure everything looks good. Um, one of the things that I always, always stress and always do is that, you know, if you're about ready to untie and leave the dock under power, your sails are ready to go. Your anchor is ready to go. And really, it's just because as trustworthy and um, as great as a diesel engine is, sometimes they fail. And when that fails, especially if you're in a place like the Intracoastal or tight quarters, you want to be able to do something rather than just drift into the nearest boat or dock. You really want to be able to be proactive. So having your halyards on your sails is always a really good idea. Um, and yes, like I said, having your anchor system and everything in place so that if you need to, you can drop that sucker in a moment's notice and at least impede your drift. Uh, that's those are those are sort of some of the little good habits that we always want to stress and and also checking the weather knowing what the tides are doing um, knowing the area that you're going to be sailing and all that sort of stuff really comes into play so that you're not scrambling to figure that stuff out while you're out on the water you want to come into it that day knowing okay we got our evacuation plan we know what the weather's going to do we know what the tides are going to do boats ready to go Engines, checks are all good. Bilge pumps, good. We've got our electronics, all that sort of stuff. And uh, that, again, will just help give you that confidence when you're out there. And a bit of peace of mind, really, because you've got all the information. 
There aren't too many doubts so that when something does go awry, you've got plans in place to sort of deal with that. And essentially, that's that was pretty much it. You know, there was a million other things that you could get into. Spinnakers, spinnaker poles, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. But again, that's sort of the, the point is so to get them to a level where they feel comfortable going out and figuring a lot of that stuff out on their own. Obviously, YouTube, sailing books, other instructors, all that sort of stuff will all come into play. But the real emphasis was to just get that bedrock of good habits, some confidence and some skills in the marina, the basic understanding of the boat and sailing it, and you're off and running into the next adventure. Ah. And it was fantastic. I have to say, um, you know, the, this couple was was fantastic. It was Mark and Steph, and they just their attitudes were great. They were helpful. They did. They had great communication skills uh, throughout the whole week, and that really is going to come in clutch when when things aren't going so great. It's that sort of stuff that counts on a boat because. People have a tendency to fall apart, and then you're not only dealing with a problem with the boat, but a problem with the person. And so kind of keeping that in mind always helps. You know, solo sailors, we we don't have to deal with that. We just got to make sure our, our head screw, is screwed on tight. But when you have multiple people on a boat, you're, you're dealing with a different sort of situation. And communication is key. Problems arise, talk them out, get through them, make sure everybody knows what is going on and everybody's on that same page. And these two were a perfect example of how it's done and how it's done right and how it's done with a positive attitude. So couldn't couldn't be more impressed. I uh, haven't, we've only texted back and forth, but I'm hoping to hear from them soon and just touch base with them because I know they're going to haul the boat out for the hurricane season, make sure that gets all done upright. And, uh, and then they can spend the winter plotting and planning for the adventures to come, uh, or at least the, the hurricane season. And then in the winter, I think, I don't know, we'll have to see. There was talks of the islands down south, a little Caribbean adventure. And, uh, you know, if I'm lucky, I'll be able to be available and they'll still be have it in their heads that they want to do it. Maybe we can do an offshore passage down to the El Caribe this winter, which would be pretty crazy. And who knows? Maybe they'll have the confidence to go do it themselves, and then I'll just end up running into them in an anchorage down in the island somewhere. At least that's the hope. So now we're just going to get into Mark and I. We just sat down for a little bit of a half an hour podcast talking about you know how we found the West Sail, getting into a few things, and then we... I think I do a like impromptu thing on passage planning. So I don't know. Who knows? But it was super fun. I can't thank them enough. It was a fantastic time. Got me back in and teaching before this summer where I'll be doing quite a bit of that. And that boat is absolutely just stunning. Uh, if anything, they, they've got their hands full just keeping that bright work looking as good as it does. And I do want to thank that. Whoever was the previous owner for that boat, wow, impressive uh, to say the least. So here we go with Mark and I on the podcast, the last day of our week sailing down in Florida on that beautiful West Sail 32. Thanks for listening. Here we are 
aboard this beautiful West Sail 32. Like I've said a million times, Mark, thank you for, for joining me here. This is uh, this has been a pleasure cruise this last four days, and today is our final. And I will say, don't worry. You know, if you got critiques, I'm not going to punish you on our last day out there training. <laughs> No, it's been a fantastic week. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Hey, my the pleasure's all been mine. I mean, it's it's just been kind of fun, like I said, watching um, the confidence grow and just you know uh, going from right in the beginning to I know today's going to be a good one because we do have some wins, so there's a little extra challenge in there. Yeah, yeah. But what what sort of have you found? Um, I guess kind of most helpful. Uh, along the way so far yeah i think you know the fact that uh you know the background of getting the boat here was a 900 mile passage from pensacola yeah and quite a bit of that was spent offshore and uh when we arrived we uh, expected to probably have a little more confidence than we actually ended up with and uh so reaching out to you was just another step we needed to gain the uh i think it was mostly a lot of the close quarter maneuvering yeah coming in and out of the slips and around the docks and other boats and uh just a better general sense of uh how you start your day how you go about it, all the fundamental steps that rather than figuring it out on our own <clears throat> we just wanted to get that first person perspective right right well and, and like we had talked about where uh sort of and it's very normal that the whole docking procedure coming into these tight marinas is enough for some people to be like, you know, I'm not going to go out today. Right. And yeah, yeah sort of that, that's what <clears throat> excuse me, I envisioned was really the, the hump that once we got over that, then all of a sudden it's sort of like, Oh, this is fun, isn't it? Oh yeah. It's fun. It's definitely <laughs> fun. And the close quarter maneuvering is fun. Once, once you, uh, you, you run through it and you're like, okay, the boat responds. Right. Like the right. Boat will respond. Yeah. Well, and it definitely helps that, you know, one, the boat is is really in, in great like mint condition, uh, but also the the bottom's clean, so it's gonna be able to maneuver really tight and really well. I mean, I I must say it it definitely seems to handle a whole lot better than Sparrow does even, and I don't know if that's how tight the rudder is or or what, um, but yeah, it's it's impressive. It really yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what brought us to the boat as new sailors is uh, wanting to get a vessel that was already pretty tight pretty updated mm -hmm. you know we weren't we wanted to, we wanted our focus to be on the sailing skills and uh not having to like immediately start out by having to overhaul the engine or replace all the running rigging or you know what i mean yeah it, starting it like, with the project sort of thing yeah i mean so, you'll you like you said i mean you're gonna come into plenty of projects yeah, along the way already yeah, yeah. yeah so why start yeah why <laughs> if you don't have to why start there yeah. Yeah. What was the uh, what was sort of the inspiration, I guess, as far as were you, were you looking directly at West Sales from the beginning? No, from the beginning, it was more of a, you know, a full, you know, full dis heavy displacement, full keel, double ender. Mm -hmm. And then that then it started getting narrowed down to the West Sail 32. But I had more the vision of the type of boat. Than 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 the, the actual yeah oh, okay okay and then I mentioned too that's how I kind of came across your material was doing West Sail thirty two searches on the internet yeah the name's sort of out there yeah and then so all your material came up so and then started following your story and uh, and what you've done with the boat as inexperienced sailors you know 
big criteria was having a boat that was safe. And yeah. that's what we were told over and over again by previous owner and all the people who worked on the boat and have experience with the boat. It's like, well, the West Hill 32 is going to take more than you can, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of, yeah, the mantra with these boats. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm freaking out, but the boat is the probably fine. like, whatever. Yeah. Another, it's Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, we, yep, that's. I think right from the beginning we were looking for this style boat, but it, it wasn't the West Sail 32 specifically. Right, right. Yeah, until we got into it a little bit. Well, and that, you know, that was the same for me. Uh, it was actually the perfect storm when I found out that the boat that sort of made it through there, even after the people were pulled off of it, uh, and, and was in pretty much fine shape when it landed on the beach, uh, I think it was on the Jersey Shore, I was like, that was a West Sail 30? Well, I guess that's the one that I probably want to go around the world in. Yeah, that's the stormproof boat. It'll yeah. get me back. Yeah. I mean, and there's you, there's so many stories. There's a book, uh, I think Bud Taplin wrote it, and it's a collection of stories uh, from all West Sailors, and then a whole bunch of different information about the background of it. It's called West Sail the World. Okay. And I used to have a copy. I ended up giving it away to somebody else who had one, but uh, there are stories of like, people buying these boats and and dragging them to their property you know on the keel and on the side of the boat not on a trailer yeah and, you know yeah. for a quarter mile down a gravel road and they get there and there's just you know a little bit of paint missing yeah and it's like right. oh very bulletproof yeah i like it what what have you found that you really enjoy about the boat so far well, definitely just the classic lines and the classic construction and all the teak and woodwork. You know, the bright work, we weren't really necessarily looking for some, something with so much bright work on deck because of all the work it's going to take to maintain it. But mm -hmm. uh, I think what I like most about it initially is just the the, the beautiful lines. Just yeah. The way like the boat that. looks. The way it sweeps that bowsprit. Yeah. Like, and... We bought it from, like, the original owner, and that's, like, a whole story in itself. Pretty incredible story, really. But uh, he was like... Mark, you're not buying a boat. You're buying a ship. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it feels that way. It feels, you know, it's a mini version of like a ship. It you know? really <laughs> is. I mean, they're tough old boats. I believe the design and the shape of the hull and everything is it's sort of based all the way back on like old like Norwegian pilot vessels because they had to go out in pretty much any condition to meet the ships. Yeah. And they needed to get back with very few people probably just one person on it and uh yeah i think that's where the basis of it is like we need a boat that can go out in whatever yeah yeah on the north seas yeah and you got one yep yeah we found it it was uh it, at the time it seemed like it was taking forever to find a boat we moved down to florida in november and started looking at boats right away looked at some tayanas and a few other boats but uh it's it's about we're about six months now, you know, that from arriving to having having the boat in place, and that was oh kind of, okay that, okay that was kind of our goal was by the end of the season or the winter season was to have our boat yeah have found a boat and bought a boat, so yeah now nice. now looking back it like it seems like it happened really fast in the yeah middle, right in the <laughs> middle of it, it was just like how come we can't find a boat you know it took forever it seemed like, oh the, the yeah. doubts start coming in because you. I mean, the vast majority of boats that you look at, they're they're pretty rough a lot of times. They're, they're just not what you're, at least for in my experience, you know, I think I looked at five different West sales, like in person. Um, and some of them had some things I liked, but 
there were always these weird catch 22 where I was like, what, what do you mean I can't get a survey done on it? Yeah. And that was a huge red flag. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, well, I guess we're done here then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But. Yeah. For that gener for this generation, you know, and this is a 79. And so everything that we were looking at were 70s and 80s generation boats. Mm -hmm. And they just seemed so tired. I mean, they just all seemed like. A lot of years. Yeah. A lot of years. I mean, it's so crazy to think. 2023. So this boat is 24, or 44 years old then? Yeah. Yeah, 44. Yeah, which is amazing. I know, right? Of the condition. Well, and West Sails uh, are one of the very few boats that some of them that have sat in the water for like a decade or more. Normal boats would get crazy uh pitting and blisters on the hull the fiberglass you know eventually just starts to get water in it um west sales don't do that yeah you know the fiberglass and the resins that they were using to build them was such high quality and it was it was just sort of a lucky string of events is, from what i understand was that you know during the period that that west sale was was really at its peak and taking all his orders was during the like the oil crisis and stuff and so regular standard resin wasn't really available, and they had to complete these orders. So they had to buy the really high-end stuff. Okay. Which also uh, then, I think, from what I understand, led to a bit of the downfall. Because they had taken all the orders at a certain cost, but then had to pay so much more money to really build the boats and everything. Right. And we're reaping all the benefits. Yes. 40 yeah, years it. later. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that and like the original owner, he had done extensive refitting. I mean, so much refitting to where it was recommissioned as new again. Yeah, when he said that on the video, I couldn't. I was like, "Holy cow!" Like that, because normally, no matter what, I think even Slocum talks about that when he went to go and try and insure his boat. Uh, they said, you know, even though it's only the keel or whatever that's original, it's still the old boat. Yeah. But to have have this boat, yeah, I mean, I, when I look around, they must have just completely gutted it. And I wish there was video, like like a time lapse. Because yeah. he was working on it for, what, a decade or something? Like almost two decades, really. Yeah. Yeah, because it I mean, was in the water for a little yeah, the, if I if I have the story right, he bought it while in California. Yeah, and they just they it was the family boat. They sailed. They they lived on it in a marina, but it was they were working. Kids were in school, <clears throat> so they were weekend sailing, mm -hmm. um, the islands, off the west coast of California, and then uh, then he uh, was a director at MIT apparently, and so he brought it to the east coast, and I think it was still just the weekend. You have it just trucked over, probably. You know, I know I never. I, I would imagine. Probably, yeah. 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 And then after his years there, um, brought it to Pensacola. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And, and then it was out of the it. water for a long time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, I mean, if the story's right, I think he's only, you know, day sailed it off and on for like the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but in that 10 years, it's kept upgrading and refitting, and it was definitely his pet project. Right, like, right, right. It was, it was as important to him to restore the West Sail 32 to like mint condition as it was to like sail it. Yeah. 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 yeah I think, you know, that's interesting. I, you know, I often think about that where you go and you get to a point where you've sailed the boat. Like I think about this with Sparrow is, you know, obviously I've beat it up quite a bit out there. Um, I mean, she's still in re really great shape and stuff, but the idea of having some sort of 
indoor, like putting it in a barn as I get older and, and bringing it right back to life and putting my own granite countertops in there <laughs> and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But then, you know, how do you, how do you give, how do you sell that or give it away after you've put so much effort into it? I know I would have trouble with that. Yeah. I'd be like, and I think that's why it took him so long <clears throat> to, to put it on the market. Cause I think it was, you know, it was a love project from the beginning. Yeah. And yeah. But, One, you can tell that looking around Yeah, for sure. And I think he just got to the age where he, you know, the doctors told him, you know, his shoulders couldn't take it. Yeah. He, he's had back surgeries and shoulder surgeries. And mm, I think yeah. he just got to a point where he realized it was time to turn it over. Yeah. And we were fortunate enough to, to come across it and be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. 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 Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Ah, I can't believe it's our final day already. I know. What a week. It just it goes by fast. Like, you know, on Monday and Tuesday, you're like, all right, we got a whole week of this. We got plenty of time. And then, yeah, yesterday, it's like, all right, well, we've, we've got to do that. We got to do that. We got to go hove two. Yeah. And throw the reef in. I did think it's something we forgot. We forgot to try and reef that stasel. I thought that too. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we can get away with it on the dock. But, it, you know, essentially, it's the exact same as what we did with the mainsail. Right. Because it's got the same system. It just doesn't have any lines run for it. Right. I think that will be a great project for you guys to... To cipher through. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you've led us through. I think you're at the level now where you can be like, yeah, I think that'll work. But I, you know, for backwinding that with the self-tacking boom, I was looking at, and yeah, just the fitting where the main sheet hooks onto that boom, that's a hard point, and that can go straight over to that cleat. Yep. And that should work out pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're so thankful for you to have come down, and uh, I mean, it was exactly what we needed, you know, to learn it right the first. You know, well, we tried learning it right the first time, and that initial passage was it turned into a motor sailing trip just to get the boat here. Yeah, and it yeah. wasn't the sailing experience that we were initially hoping for, and it took 13 days to get from Pensacola to here. We're on the East Coast, Treasure Coast of Florida, so. Uh, so to be able to start, like, it was like starting fresh again with you and your experience. And that's the part, that that was the part we really needed, was to get started on the right foot. Yeah, and yeah. And doing yeah. the right steps. And well, the, and, and like I had said, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that I know that have, have gone through, right in the beginning, a pretty sticky situation. And then all of a sudden, they're like, I like the boat, and I'll get back out there, but not yet. Yeah. And, you know, time's a wasting. There's no yeah, no right. time like the present. You never know what's yeah. going to happen a month or a year from now. So, right. you know, if you've got those dreams. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were back for only two days and I sent you off an email at about 10 o'clock at night. Just like, I'm just going to ask him. I'm just, <laughs> just going to throw it out there. And you said, yes, that was great. I mean, the timing worked out for both of us. It was perfect. Yeah, no, it really did. Because, I mean, you know, obviously I was up in the Hatteras area. So it's about like a 12-hour trip to get down here. But I had a few friends that I needed to visit. And then I'm shooting over to St. Pete after this, visit family before I go up to Michigan Yeah. to do all my stuff for the summer. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of that. And I was already done with Sparrow. And yeah. I didn't want to just sit on Sparrow in the boatyard. Um, yeah, for a week. I've days. done that enough in my life uh, yeah. where I, I probably could have gotten into some projects, but you know, there's sort of, it's kind of weird for me. And you'll find this, I'm sure, too, when you guys haul out. It's 
you like put the baby to bed and then you want to go and do other stuff in life and it always just seems it seems right to at the beginning of the season to like dive into the projects yeah. and start working on stuff right. so you'll you'll come up with all these lists and things like that and uh and you'll be like yeah come come fall or whatever when you go to launch it because what what is the game plan it's going to be out until probably what october november yep yep we'll, end of the hurricane yep, season. we're gonna day sail it and do short trips here on the on the east coast for the next four to six weeks mm-hmm. and then put on the hard yep until uh, the end of the hurricane season yeah very cool and then we'll be back yep and yeah following your material has been great super educational and uh yeah like when i saw the parts of your videos where you had strip sparrow down and had it oh ready yeah totally like bare you know like you had removed everything off deck we're like oh okay like that was like a whole nother layer of oh (laughs) man we gotta figure out how to do all that that. plan for the worst hope for the best yeah i just wanted my thinking with that with the clean deck like not even the boom on there was just as little windage as possible yeah i mean it makes total sense it was just we were still in like how do we get out of our slip? They're like, oh, now we got to think, how are we going to live? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> well, and that's one of those things. Uh, I equate that to when I was when I was trying to go around the world, it was one of those things where if I thought about the entire world, you know, Cape of Good Hope, Cape Horn, doldrums, all that stuff, it's just overwhelming. Your heartbeat goes up. Yeah. Um, and so I always just started – I kept shrinking the scope down, and I would get it down to like, all right, I just got to cross this ocean. And then, and which I had done enough, so I was confident in it. And that's the same with you guys, you know. I mean, right now, don't worry too much about, you know, what it's going to be like to back into the haul-out slip and get in the straps, you right. know. And not that I want to set your brain in motion or anything, <laughs> but, you know, just think like, oh, yeah, we're going to enjoy the next few weeks. We got the skills to get in and out of this marina, no problem. And we can go anchor and we can do a little offshore little sales you know you just yeah, yeah. You know, just, yeah. be mindful of that old gulf stream out there and that's yeah about it. <laughs> that's right yeah no small steps yeah and that's how we had to break down this whole process it was like okay if we, we're gonna get overwhelmed if we look at we're gonna buy a boat and you know do month-long voyages you know it was too much to think of yeah, yeah, yeah so we're like okay let's just like we'll start small and take small steps and it's worked out great and really, you know, it's yeah. going to build up to it and everything. And, and yeah, before you know it, you'll be doing an offshore passage out to Bermuda. It'd <laughs> yeah. be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess like before we get underway, I, the last thing I wanted to say is, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about was like the passage plan. So we do a little on air uh, info on that. Well, the, the passage plan, I mean, the first, first rule of the passage plan is you always want to, like, let's say you're taking it from here just to the place where you're going to haul it out. So that's, you know, two couple days, right? Via the boat. Yes, so correct. it is a passage. Yeah. Um, typically, it's really good to sort of write it out, what your plan is. And this, I guess, is more for offshore stuff where you lose communication. Uh, but making sure that someone else who's on land the whole time knows and has that passage plan. Yeah. So they know when to expect you, they know where you're going so that if something happens and you just don't show up, then all of a sudden they can be like, well, this is where they were going to go. This was their passage plan from point A to point B. So that's where we want to look. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. float plan. We actually had done a float plan for our 13-day trip to get here. We laid it oh, out. Yeah. We laid it out as a, as a – well, we were off our plan, like, by – after 24 hours plans always <laughs> yeah. but, but we were update we, we were keeping the people who had the float plan on land aware daily yeah of what was happening oh okay nice, nice but yeah but we did yeah we put it together a float plan uh, well and that's that's one of my favorite things uh i used to think it was kind of daunting but uh then i sort of realized it's it's i don't know it's it's always like the night before or a couple days before and you're sitting there and you've got like your charts and you got your logbook and you've got all this stuff and you're sort of planning out and you're looking for and trying to gain as much knowledge about from what it's going to be like going from point A to point B uh, and be able to sort of retain that. So like taking notes and finding areas like when I'm on the intracoastal for like a day long thing, I'm all always trying to circle and find little areas where there's anchorages, things like that, little escape routes. If you know, the weather turns on you or something happens with the engine, something like that, you've got sort of these routes so that you're not, you're not trying to figure that out when you're on the passage. Mm -hmm. You're actually, you've got that game plan where it's like, you know, engine's really acting up a little bit. And I know we've got that one anchorage. It's about a half mile further. So let's get up there and we'll pull off. And that way, that sort of gives you a little extra confidence as well because you're you're not going into anything blind. Yeah. And Steph and I were talking about how, um, you know, if you're pulling into uh, a marina that you've never been to, before you ever untie you know, going on their websites and looking at the picture of the marina and trying to figure out and know kind of where you're going to be coming in. Um, and with today's thing, I, a lot of times what I do is um, I'll actually then go look at it on Google Earth. Right. And then you can see it. Real, we we yeah. pulled into one marina uh, doing a, just a, a quick day-long um, delivery from Buford. And the, the dock master actually sent us a screenshot of the marina with like an arrow of like this is where your slip will be and i thought oh my god that's so cool like you don't even have to question it It used to be you'd come into these places pretty much blind yeah and you're like are there are there numbers on the docks at least and they're like nah somebody be out there waving right and you're like oh geez this is gonna be crazy yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot more that goes into a lot more detail and stuff, but those are really the main points for the passage plan is, is making sure you do it early, make sure somebody else has it and knows what the plan is. And then really just acquiring as much knowledge as you can through your charts, through your navigation stuff, through guidebooks, guidebooks are absolutely essential. If you're, if you're doing the close quarters, intracoastal or just coastal hops, yes, they give you all that local knowledge. Yeah, yeah. But it's amazing how much material resources are out there. It's great. It can be almost overwhelming yeah. in some respects, but I mean, you guys have all these guidebooks and everything, so I think you're, I think you're in good shape. I think we're, uh, yeah, we're ready to launch. When's the YouTube channel going up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll still be a I'll be a fan rather than a. Yeah. Oh man! Well, at least now that I you know we've we've connected and everything, it'll be fun to sort of follow the adventures and uh, who knows maybe maybe old Sparrow and uh, and this old lady here will 
we'll meet up again in the Caribbean. Yeah, that would be great. We would enjoy that. That'd be so cool. <laughs> Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Um, well, I don't want to spend too much time on this podcast today. We got to get out there and get through these last few drills and stuff. And, uh, but yeah, it's been absolutely phenomenal above and beyond because you never know. You, you, oh, yeah. you start you're talking email and back and forth. But, uh, I think, I think that's the thing about the West Sale community is that it's sort of like, yeah, well, there was sailors, so they got to be kind of cool. Can't be, can't be too bad. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Every every person who's owned a West Sail that I've ever met has always been sort of a kindred spirit. So yeah, yeah, it's neat. Wow, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. My Great. pleasure. You guys did great. Let's hope we don't screw it up on day five. <laughs> or we'll yeah. be using those gallows for more than the boom, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for this quick little debrief stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll get out there. Okay. Very good.